Terry McLaurin may already be a star at wide receiver, but everything else in Washington is a work in progress. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fantasy Football in 15. I'm your host, Michael Beller, joined, as always, by my co-host, Derek Van Riper. DVR, what's going on, man? What's good? Ah, you know, today was supply run day, so I feel like uh, everything's great, actually. How are you doing? Yeah, doing uh, doing the same. Uh, I mean, I didn't go on a supply run, but I'm doing well. I'm doing uh, feeling good, ready to uh, keep on talking football. You and I both also talk a lot of baseball in our duties here at The Athletic. So football is, I mean, a, a welcome change of pace doesn't even begin to describe what talking football and talking NFL is. We are more than happy to continue doing that on Fantasy Football in 15. If you've been listening, you know we are running through all 32 teams in what we're calling a state of the team series, getting a feel for every team from a fantasy perspective as we head into the summer. Today, we go down to D.C. to talk Washington Redskins, and to do that, we bring on our Redskins beat writer, Ben Standig. Ben, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Guys, I uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I know you have to go through all the teams, but nonetheless, I appreciate the the invite because, you know, <laughs> the Redskins are, 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 are a chore sometimes. They can be. They can be. There is some fantasy goodness, I think, to this team this year. We certainly know that with uh, at least Terry McLaurin after what he did as a rookie, but we really can't talk about this team without starting at the quarterback position. Year two for Dwayne Haskins. Just seven games or seven starts last year for Haskins as a rookie. He's got a new head coach, Ron Rivera. He's got a new offensive coordinator in Scott Turner, so a lot of change for Washington. What are realistic expectations for Haskins in year two in the league, year one is a full-time starter. So it's tricky, right? I'm sure in your conversations you've had with some of the other beat writers, the topic of, you know, lack of practices, OTAs, and so on because of COVID-19 and, and, and what that means. For a player like Dwayne Haskins, I think it's just, it's almost impossible to figure out how much it means. Not only is he a second-year player, he's going to be learning his third system in three years going back to Ohio State as the Redskins cleaned out the coaching staff, of course, and brought in Ron Rivera with offensive coordinator Scott Turner. Part of Haskins' issue last year was seemingly getting up to speed quick enough and competent enough uh, to, to, to grasp that system. And it was he, he looked really good the last two starts. Everything prior to that was a little bit of a, a little messy. So now what? He hasn't been on the field at all. They can do all these virtual meetings, and, and by all accounts, it sounds like Haskins is, is, is picking things up. He's lost weight. He's dropped about 20 pounds in total since he arrived on the scene last year, down to about 218. Looks good when we saw him on a Zoom call. But again, he hasn't been part of that system on the field. Second, look at, and we'll get to them to their offense. There are a lot of questions throughout the rest of the offense on the offensive line, the receivers, the tight ends. We don't know how the running back room is going to shake out. So there's not a lot of things for a young quarterback to lean on. You put it all together and, you know, it's, I'm not saying there's not hope because of because he has hope, and you mentioned to, you know some Terry McLaurin and and some things like that. But by and large, I, I wouldn't be highly optimistic about Dwayne Haskins, the fantasy player, uh, because like I said, uh, we, we haven't he, he's not on the field with the new coaches, and the pieces around him are kind of uncertain to, to be kind. And in realizing that you know not having practices, not getting to see how this is starting to come together, this is a difficult question to answer. But do you have any inkling as to the sort of scheme that we're going to see from 
new offensive coordinator Scott Turner this season? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, obviously uh, a lot of what we saw with with Carolina, you know, motion offense, get the ball out to the to to, to the backs, you know, put the ball in the hands of of, of pass catchers. You know, if if I if if there's any two moves that they made that I think give us an inkling as to the type of players they want, they went out and signed J.D. McKissick to be their, uh, you know, passing down back, as it were, a guy as a former receiver can kind of, you know, line up in a few different spots. Not saying he's the the lead runner or anybody that exciting, but the the type of player. And then the other guy is uh, their third round pick, the second player they drafted, Antonio Gibson out of Memphis. He's listed as a running back, but he only had like 33 carries at Memphis. And he's sort of a pass catcher, but like that's not really how people view him. He's a 220-something pounder with a 4.39 speed. The, the bottom line for him is when you put the ball in his hands, good things happen. And he's another guy you can kind of line up all over the place. And that really feels like kind of what this offense is is, is about: getting guys in motion, creating mismatches, mismatches for your playmakers to get in space, and uh, you know, and, and kind of go go from there. Obviously, a lot will depend on on what Haskins can handle to a degree, but I think that's sort of the gist of what you're looking for. Let's talk about those running backs a little bit. You know, it's hard to believe almost that this is the third year in the league for Darius Geis. Of course, he missed his entire rookie season with injury and then missed a huge chunk of last year due to injury. Has played in just five games in his first two years in the NFL. We have to say, though, that those five games that he appeared in last year, numbers were pretty darn good. 42 carries, 245 yards. It's uh, nearly six yards per carry and two touchdowns. We know he's not going to have the backfield to himself, but... Can we say he's good for, I don't know, maybe 65-plus percent of the touches coming out of the backfield? Does it more belong to him than anyone else? Well, you know, as I was preparing for this, I feared I was going to be saying a lot of, well, I don't really know, because, and this is just another example of that, right? I mean, so Darius Geis last year, you mentioned some of the stats. By far, his best game was, ironically enough, Ron Rivera's last game at Carolina. Guys had 129 yards and two touchdowns on, on 10 carries, and he showed everything that we've ever wanted to see out of him. He's got the power to, to just run over guys. He's got the speed and the swervability, as I like to say, to, to, to get into space, to, to, to run by guys. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He's a willing blocker, so he can be a three-down back. But he has, but he has to stay on the field. He's he's only been out on the field. He's only played five games in two years. And, and also, I think to be honest, there's a little bit of a, a maturity issue, and just in the sense of like, you know, being a little defiant, listening to you know, sort of taking the needing the extra minute to sort of understand what needs to get done. And for a new head coach, I don't, you know, we'll see how how uh, you know how how much the Redskins new staff is willing to sort of you know, go along with that the way that the, the previous coach did. I would think in a perfect world, Darius Geis is the, the guy who gets the majority of, of the work. And I think I think also in part, realistically, this is a, a five, six win Redskins team next year. They're building towards the future just based on when you look at kind of the whole thing. And Geis is that future much more than, say, 30-something-year-old Adrian Peterson is. So by just by that alone, you would think they'd want to feed Geis more. But Peterson is there. That, that's part of the equation. How do you ignore Adrian Peterson? And then you have a bunch of other guys that we can get to in a second. So I would like to say Geis is the main guy. Uh, if we see, if we get the training camp and, the, and, we're, and we're seeing some of that, I think you can get excited about him potentially. But there is the injury history. There's a bunch of other guys in this backfield. So it is concerning 
that you know I, I wouldn't be, be like all in and saying Darius Geis is definitely the guy the way you could look at some other young backs in the league. You know, you mentioned the versatility of Antonio Gibson before Peterson, you know, what he's accomplished in the league. It's hard to imagine that he wouldn't have some sort of role, assuming he's still on the team in week one, which seems like a reasonable assumption to make at this point. But do you see any of the other backs behind Geis doing enough to be fantasy relevant early in the season? There's obviously some you know, dynasty appeal and keeper league appeal with Gibson, especially, and maybe Bryce Love. But is anybody else in that backfield going to get enough touches to be useful? Probably not. Um, you know, if, if you sort of had to make me guess right now, like I said, I, I imagine, you know, Peterson is involved in in two down, in, in you know, in early down situations. And, you know, look, he every time we've sort of said, eh, I don't know what, you know, what's Adrian Peterson got left? He's, de- he's delivered two pretty good years, right? So he's going to be involved. I mentioned McKissick already. You know, Chris Thompson, who was the previous, you know, passing down back, you know, he had some moments where you could use him in fantasy and PPR leagues in particular. But, you know, week in, week out, a guy you had to roster, probably not unless some other guys fell apart or it just turns into the Redskins are getting, you know, blown out every game and it's just all about catching up. I, I think the thing with Gibson is he might be really explosive and might make some plays, but I don't know if he's getting five, seven touches every game. I think he's going to be a possibly like a package player early on where he's in there for a handful of plays and, and they kind of see what he can do and move forward. They have some other names, though. You have Peyton Barber, a guy who's been on fantasy teams, obviously, but, you know, and maybe in a different circumstance you could get excited about him. I've never really been a big Peyton Barber guy, and here it feels like I'm not sure he even makes the team, but if he does, it feels like he would be kind of buried. And, and, and you mentioned Bryce Love. He didn't, he was, you know, the, the former Heisman Trophy winner, runner up at Stanford, blows out his knee his last game in college, misses all of last year, and still, you know, as far as we know, hasn't really gotten back yet to uh, to, to, to practicing as best we can tell. So so that's part of the uh, the problem there. By the way, I forgot to mention with, with Darius Geis, this is another part of the issue. He had, he's had these uh, knee injuries in, in the past. We haven't seen him get back on the field either. And recently, Ron Rivera made a mention that he was like casually looking out his window, and there's Darius Geis, you know, doing some work in his rehab, which sounds promising. You know, it's, it, he painted a, a a very sunny picture of the day, the sky, the clouds, all that. But then you're like, well, wait a minute, is Darius Geis still rehabbing? If OTAs were happening, is he actually participating, or is he on the side? And that's also part of the story w- w- with him. So you know, Geis and Love on a I could imagine they'd be the Redskins' top two running backs, and simultaneously, I don't even know where they're both at physically. So I, I apologize for adding more, more confusion. <laughs> um, G- Gibson's probably the one guy that, I, from a from like a dynasty perspective, I'd get excited about beyond get beyond Geis. And then you know, like I said, Peterson's probably the dated, you know, the the the, the standard league guy who I think has got to be rostered. All right, well, let's take this to the guy who we think is the one sure thing in this offense, and that is Terry McLaurin, a huge rookie year, 58 catches, 919 yards, seven touchdowns, and what's most remarkable about all that, at least in my eyes, is that he did this on a team that was 31st in yards, 32nd, that's dead last in points, 27th in yards per play. He did it on just 93 targets. That is not the sort of number we are used to seeing for A, a player of his talent, and B, a team's number one receiver. It just feels like even with this offense maybe struggling again this year that McLaurin could explode, especially when you're talking about bottom line fantasy production. Is that the feeling in Washington as well? It's certainly the feeling in my house. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I have been raving about McLaurin 
really early on. I mean, you know, one, last year in training camp, we were like, oh, this is more than we were expecting. Because they were talking, when McLaurin entered the league, the, big, the, the two big things people talked about were his speed and his special teams ability. And that's where we really, really thought we were going to see him. But then he immediately became their best receiver. And, you know, it just never really stopped, even with, you know, three different players, three different quarterbacks starting games last year. A change, not just was Jay Gruden the head coach, he was running the offense. Uh, they went to a Bill Callahan system, which really relied on the ground game. Dwayne Haskins struggled. And yet Terry McLaurin put up big numbers. He, it wasn't even just the stats. He just looked at the part. You, you constantly heard veteran quarterbacks like Darius Slay and, St- and Stephon Gilmore when they went up against him just like, wow, that, that kid really has the goods. And he was doing it as, as a rookie. So I, I, I'm with you. I think even if there are still some struggles with, with, with other parts of the offense, I expect a lot from McLaurin. Now, of course, the other teams now have, have had a year to study him, and he's acknowledged that. Um, when we've talked to him recently, and, and, you know, we'll see what moves now he comes out with. They don't really have much else at receiver, which I'm sure we can get to. So I'm sure they'll send more double teams his way. But I, I, I'm impressed. Uh, for what it's worth, after they traded Trent Williams, I wrote an article on The Athletic about who is actually the Redskins' best player now, and I landed on Terry McLaurin. And, and maybe that's a little bit of a I'm, – I'm focusing on the potential, but he already showed a lot in the in the present, and I expect big things from him going into next year as well. Let's talk about those receivers, though, behind Terry McLaurin. I thought Steven Sims looked pretty interesting down the stretch last season. I watched him closely in a game against the Packers, and he just kind of stood out as a guy that I had really known nothing about entering that game and came away thinking maybe there's a future role. Uh, Four TDs in the last three games. Target volume was up in the final four weeks, 7, 11, 10, and 8. Is he the clear number two, even if he's working predominantly out of the slot this season? Based on what we know right now, I think the answer would w- would be yes. He really did look, you know, look impressive in those last, you know, few uh, few weeks of, of the season. He's an undrafted rookie out of Kansas, great speed, and yeah, he really showed good separation ability, you know, ability to create create space, and then once in it to to, to you know make plays. He really did stand out. You know, again. Uh, is it a little bit of a flash in the pan situation from a guy who was undrafted? And you know the, the Redskins were not exactly a team. I'm sure opponents were really getting you know geeked up to play at the end of last year. So you know we'll see. But look, he showed good chemistry with Haskins, and, and I thought he did pretty. I thought he did pretty good. And and you know I think we could even see him on the outside a little bit th- this year as well. So yeah, I think it, you know from a uh, fantasy perspective, I, I think Sims would be probably at this moment in time the second uh, receiver to, to target behind McLaurin. I don't know how crazy I would go just because, again, the offense as a whole may struggle, but I think he is somebody definitely to, to keep an eye on with some upside. I want to talk about the defense for a second. It's something we haven't done a ton in this series, but there's a lot of first-round talent on Washington's defense, of course, including this year's number 2 overall pick, Chase Young. Now, fantasy defense production is as much about opportunity and your team being able to get leads as anything else, as just the pure talent that maybe your can, your defense can bring to bear from a week-to-week uh, uh schedule. Now, that's not necessarily going to be the case for Washington. They're maybe not going to be protecting very many big leads, get those opportunities to really pin the years back and go after the quarterback. But there is a lot of talent on this defense. So could we be talking about this as a defense that shows up with some fantasy relevance this year? Yeah, I I think so. And obviously, Washington hopes so, because that would mean that some of these investments that they've made pay it off. They've spent 
their last four first-round picks on defensive linemen. The most recently, of course, Chase Young, the second overall pick. You know, you talk to, you know, coming into the draft, you know, he was considered to be, you know, a, almost a once-in-a-generation level talent, you know, right there with the Bosa's with, with, with more upside, according to, you know, people who scout these players for, for a living. And, and there's some sense that he could come in and have double-digit sacks and it wouldn't surprise him, surprise people. And it's not just him, though. What what the hope is that, similar to what Nick Bosa was able to do last year with San Francisco, where he joined a defensive line that also had a bunch of recent first-round picks, is that the final piece helps unlock even more for everybody involved. And that that would mean, you know, Jonathan Allen, could you know, who's been a guy who's going to get some sacks, could, could, could step up. Montez Sweat finished second on the team in sacks last year. He was their uh, first-round pick in 2019. Uh, coming off the off the edge, you know, now he's going to get you know a lot more one on ones with Chase Young around. I haven't even mentioned Ryan Kerrigan, who's on the verge of becoming the franchise's all time leader in sacks. Last year, there was a bit of a down year for him, and he had uh, rare injuries. But you know, he's now the forgotten player, and, and you throw him in into the mix. And then if you you know, of course, then we're also talking about what about the back end? I think they think they've upgraded going for, going adding Kendall Fuller as a cornerback. In free agency, we already know that Landon Collins is a is a threat back there to make uh, to, to to make some plays. So you know uh, the back seven's not as interesting as the front uh, or as the front four, but that front four I didn't even mention Matt Ioannidis who led the team in sacks. I mean they could really be a, a, a team that gets after the quarterback a lot and, and collapses the pocket. Uh, you know touchdowns and things like that. You know we'll see, but it, there's definitely reason to be optimistic. And you know if I was gonna you know, take a flyer. If I, you know, I'm always somebody that waits on defense. I don't really take the the first or two or three. I wait and sort of figure something out. But the Washington is the type of team that that I could get excited about. All right, it's the Washington Redskins. A whole lot unsettled, but maybe we find some fantasy goodness in those youngsters. We know Terry McLaurin's going to bring it. Uh, maybe his former Ohio State teammate and current teammate, Dwayne Haskins, and hey, Chase Young. A lot of Ohio State love on this Washington team. That's our Redskins beat reporter, Ben Standig. Ben, thanks again for joining us. Guys, definitely appreciate it. Have a good one. Uh, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Standick. It's like standing without that second N uh, for those of you who, uh, who maybe can't uh, can't pull it out from what I am saying here. That's going to do it uh, for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper and Ben Standick, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 returns tomorrow.